So, Michelle. So, David. Picture a pocket knife, right? A Swiss one? Oh, well, not that good. Okay. Right. Actually, I want you to picture a pocket knife. It used to be all the rage when I was a kid. Same. One that had a spoon on one side oh. and a fork on the other side. And no then spork? No, 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 no. It was a spoon on one, it's like one on yeah. the outside of one side. So it wasn't all in one, like a spork? No, it wasn't all in one. It had a fork and it had a spoon yeah. and the knife, of course, which folded in. Okay. Now, here's the problem with that pocket knife. How do you use the knife and the fork at the same time? Oh, you just keep flipping the ends. Well, but hang on. If you want to hold the piece of steak and then cut it, you uh, need to get another knife. This is why we needed the Swiss to come in and help us out. Well, this is the thing. That pocket knife is a little bit like the Australian Defence Force at the moment. Okay. All right? So we've just had this little thing. I don't know. It's No one was talking about it whatsoever no. just before Anzac Day. I didn't. The Defence Strategic Review. I know. And you know, it's got defence and strategic, and there is a little bit of intelligence and security in there. So yes. I thought, shall we do what everyone else has been doing in our own special and very important way and just break this thing down? And Let's break on. it down. Let's break down the Australian Defence Force. Can't wait. Listening to I Spied, the multi-tool of Australian intelligence. Do you need a can opener? No. What about a knife? No. A saw? No. Toothpick? No. Pen? No. Magnifying glass? Yes. Uh, oh, uh, tweezers? Yes. Spanner? No. Uh, multi-phase internal combustion engine? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're going to drive out of here? Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and we're going to pull apart the Defence Strategic Review. Now, if you missed it, this was a review, kind of like the first big review of its kind since World War II. Well, pretty much, yeah. It's the the most sweeping change we've had. Yes, and I have to say it's something that has not been done, of course, in such a long time, but it's it's interesting that we're now really taking strategic defence seriously. Yeah. Well, any kind of defence seriously. Considering it's one of the big ticket items in our budget, it's kind of, it it was remiss of us to sort of just let it bubble on the way it has. Yes, well, because we did have the AUKUS stuff but kind of bubbling along. And so now they've decided to go, hang on, maybe we should look at everything else. And what what successive governments have done over the years is, and we've spoken about this quite a bit, is kind of like privatise huge chunks and huge swathes of our defence forces. Yeah, now that was one of the things that came out in the review when I looked at the personnel in the review. This is just, we're going to be jumping around a bit on this one, but they basically said that the core of defence is actually contractors. Yes. It's not you know, soldiers, sailors and pilots. No, not anymore. It's contractors. Now, that's a little bit concerning. Of course. And, you know, this government is now promising to spend $19 billion, Mm -hmm. a little less on the army. Well, yeah, yeah, we are. What we need to do is we need to go through and okay. like, break it all down. You right? break it all down. But, where do um, you want to start? Well, where I want to start is like why we need to do this, right? And it's a really important point is the Australian yep. Defence Force at the moment is not fit for purpose. And it's that was brought out. And the, yeah, that's exactly what they said. It's not fully fit for purpose. It's not fully fit for purpose. And I mean, one of the big things is Australia is, look, I don't want to sound rude and I do not want to besmirch our defence personnel. But in a sense, the Australian Defence Force has literally become a life support system mm. for special operations. Yep. Right? We One of the things that was really popular with Australian forces in both the Iraq wars and 
and Afghanistan was our special forces, the SAS yep. and their ilk, right? To the point where the Australian Army actually went, let's completely rejig the way we do our special forces, and which has left us with this problem with war crimes and you know, mm. all the stuff that's going on at the moment with special forces. But literally everything that we did seemed to be surrounding that special operations, which is projecting a small, very highly trained force into a, a far away, far flung region. Yeah, and also the that our alliance partner, the US, is no longer kind of the the unipolar leader. It's more, you know, you've got the rising, the rise of China. You've got all that. So a lot of a lot of what we were basing basing our defence strategy on was on kind of old school global politics. You know, Uncle Sam. Mm. Our, our, our favourite uncle. Yeah, we need you. Uncle Sam would basically be there to help us out if anything goes wrong. Yes. Because no one's going to threaten Uncle Sam. Russia was gone. The Soviet Union had mm. collapsed and suddenly they have they are the hegemonic power on the planet. Yes. And then this little country called – I like the way everyone is skirted around this. We're going, it's a country that starts with C and ends with A. And every time they do that, I go, Colombia. It's like it's the cocaine trade we've got to yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. China has spent the last two decades going, hang on, we're an economic power. Let's make ourselves a military power because we want to control our neighbourhood. So they've claimed the South China Sea. Yeah. They've built their little islands, their lovely military resorts, I like to call them. <laughs> yeah, serve on an island. Yep. And basically the rest of the world has gone, hang on a second, we weren't expecting this. And now the US – with its own problems, mm. it's got a lot of internal problems. Because of that, everyone's like going, hang on, what's going to happen next? And the Albanese government went, maybe we should look at our Army, Air Force and Navy and mm. see what the hell is going on. Yep. And here we are. Here we are with the Strategic Reserve. Yeah. Uh, and now the review said there was only, this was really important, that there's only remote possibility of any power contemplating an invasion of our continent. Now, invading Australia. It, no one wants to do it. It's possible. You can do it. But a, you're looking at a minimum from the the outset of your campaign, you're looking at at least two years before you make footfall on Australia. Yes. And what, there was one great strategy that someone said is, everyone's going to think they're going to come through Indonesia and Papua New Guinea, mm. right? That, that was the big thing. They're going to come yep. down through that archipelago where one guy actually said that, no, actually what would be smart is to come all the way down and take Norfolk Island. Yeah. And then do to Norf- Norfolk Island what they've done in the South China Sea, create a base so you've got a short jump. Now, if they were to say get to a point where they've turned around to Papua New Guinea and gone, hey, we'd really like to build you a military base. Oh, by the way, can we borrow it to invade Australia? Now, I don't know how Papua New Guinea is going to react to that. We've got a pretty strong alliance with Papua New Guinea. I mean, we, we have set up and we have worked really hard to kind of set up yeah. systems and oversight over there, yeah. well, mostly because we want their kind of buildy dirt or whatever We it is definitely want have. their coppery, their yeah, electrical yeah, yeah, dirt. Yeah, 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 <laughs> we, yeah. We've worked really hard to kind of rape and pillage all the things out of their soil that we do to ourselves. I'm not going to say colonial, but anyway, moving yeah. on. <laughs> right, so the whole thing is for the last couple of decades, because of the war on terror, we focused on yeah. very small combat operations in far-flung regions, as we said. But also that the threat, though, this is really important because the threat of military force or coercion is against Australia actually didn't or does not involve invasion. It doesn't. And and, yeah. and we've seen that. We've seen that with like the trade wars. We've seen that. Yeah. That's how they're going they're going to get us. They're, so yes, we will wax lyrical about how much defense we need. We do need defense. Yep. And and it's more about posturing than defending. Now that's a really good word you used just then. 
posturing. Yeah. Right? Because this is the whole thing. What is our posture right now? Our posture is pretty bad. America wants, yeah, terrible bad. Yeah. <laughs> Australia, go and see a chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get that, yeah. A little yeah. bit of Pilates might help. Yeah. Right. Our posture is terrible at terrible, the moment. Yeah. And also the fact that the arms of our defense, so Army, Navy, Air Force, mm. don't interlink correctly. No. All right. Now, Going through that, the big winner in this is going to be the Navy, right? Uh, of which, course, is, which makes absolute sense to me. We're an island. Yes. Admittedly a very big island, but we're still an island. Yes. One of the things that came up and I was it was really interesting was that we've now got our surface fleet review is taking mm. place. And, mate, the whole surface fleet review, interestingly enough, you look at all these commentators, you know, I think it was Andrew Bolton went, oh, we've had a review and now we're having another review. It's like, well, yeah, we've now spotted what's wrong. Now we need to work out how to fix it. Yeah. That requires a review. The interesting thing is the Admiral, the ex-US Admiral mm. who's running this review, he has in the last, I think it's 10 years, made $7 million out of the Australian government doing naval reviews, right? That's uh, insane. Now, yeah, that's a lot. This guy <laughs> charges $7,000 a day. Pretty much every government loves a review, let's be real. But again, this comes back to this problem with the Australian Defence Force is it's so privately owned, yep. right? There's so much private corporate work in it there's contracting and the problem with that is yeah you know, it was the classic thing um when i worked at asio one guy left asio mm. like, resigned from asio and then came back to as do a, a review on ASIO, as a contractor and made way more money on four times the amount of i money. know and that's the thing that what happens when you go private you know all of a sudden you can't control the the costings of things and you be, you're up to kind of like whatever the businesses want to charge you yeah as soon as you start outsourcing you start losing money and yeah. the thing is there is so much money in defense like we're paying billions upon billions of dollars oh, in defense yes. but what have we got to show for it we've got a surface fleet that is too small and not fit for purpose yeah. we've got an army that's like getting like their armoured vehicles, the interesting thing was we were meant to get another 500 armoured vehicles. Uh, the problem with those armoured vehicles is they're too heavy for most of the bridges in Australia. So you, like, well, at the top end anyway, so mm. you couldn't really use them. So we've, we're not going to buy the fighting vehicles, but we're still going to buy the Abrams tanks, which are even heavier. And Australia has not deployed a tank in combat since I think either Korea or World War II. I know. It's like, what do we got? Unless we're keeping the tanks for, you know, something going wrong in Sydney or something. I well, don't know. Like for internal conflict, I don't know. So Shadow Minister for the Defence, Andrew Hastie, uh, who is ex-Army as well, he's ex-SAS, yeah. he basically turned around and said the problem we've got is getting rid of all the fighting vehicles mm. is, well, not, not so much getting rid of them as not getting them, right, is when you have literal combat, and we'll get onto this in a moment, Once you, when you take over an area, you need the support of a platform with a 30mm cannon. Yeah. That was what our fighting vehicles are. We're not going to get them anymore. But we'll have Abraham's, Abraham's tanks, which you probably couldn't get into that theatre of operation, right? So the other thing with the Navy that I think is a really good thing, and it's been overlooked for, God, 40, nearly 50 years, mm. is we're going to have a huge uptick in domestic manufacturing of naval assets shipbuilding we're an island we should be building our own mm. ships we keep buying stuff from spain and from france and from the us and the uk and half the time the stuff we buy from spain that's like the light rail in sydney half the time it doesn't bloody work yeah right? so we need to buy things that are fit for purpose instead of buying them off someone else how about we dig deep and start as a nation building it ourselves. Mm. Make, and then, you know what the great thing is? If we design something that everyone goes, geez, that's a really cool boat, right? We like that ship. That's cool. 
They'll buy them off us. And then again, we've got more. It's an economic thing. Mm. Now, with the army, the army is being pivoted into being a more literal or amphibious force, right? Okay. So instead of having them all just running around the top end, waiting for the armies that are never going to appear to appear, we're going to teach them how to get on and off boats on beaches. Right? Okay. And it's an important thing because if we do, it's all about force. Like Normandy? Quite more like you know, or a bit better than Iwo that. Ja- Iwo Jima <laughs> and Guam and Guadalcanal, right? If you go back to all those classic American movies of you know Marines landing on the beaches in the Pacific, yeah, uh, that's our theater of war. Is you know, that is our area storming of the beaches? Is storming the beaches right now? The whole thing about that is, again, we have the ability to do it, but we're not geared up for it. Yep. So the, the big thing for the army is they want to pivot that way, but also they want to harden the northern bases, right? Mm. Really do some work on all of these northern bases on the West Australian coast, up in Arnhem Land and across on Cape York. They want to harden those, not just for the army, but also for the air force. They want yep. to like get a bit more solid gear going in there. So if somebody does fire a missile at it, we can still launch a plane off the runway. The planes will be in hardened bunkers so they don't get destroyed. And, of course, the soldiers can deploy from there as well. Yes. And because of that, they want more long-range missile capacity. So oh, they want, we're going to – oh, missiles. We're investing, in, we're investing in that. Don't get me started on missiles. That's a whole little thing in itself. The other thing is the Air Force. Again, hardened bases up the top. The fruit bat is a go. Oh, wow. The ghost bat. The, the ghost, ghost bat, bat yeah, not the, the fruit bat? The, the ghost bat drone. I call it the fruit bat because I just think, go- as someone said, ghost bat is having a wank at work. Uh, no, it's not, isn't it? I Didn't I look this up and it was like... It is. Okay. It, one of the definitions anyway, in the okay. Urban Dictionary. Keep going. Right up there with the Oxford Dictionary for yeah. um, its credibility. Right, so that drone is a go. They're, they're going to start producing those yes. drones. We aren't going to get B-21 bombers. Everyone was hoping we were going to get, they're called Raiders. I love that. And they're the big stealth bombers that the Americans mm. produced. We thought we might get some. That ain't going to no, happen. No. not happening. Right. Because as you said, everything is all about the missiles. Yes. Our range for firing projectile munitions will increase from 40 kilometres to get this, a range of 300. Uh, with the chance of it getting out to five. Yes. Well, that you're you're talking that, that's initially initially a range of 300. You're talking 300 miles, which is 500 kilometres. 300 kilometres. No, 500 kilometres. Yeah, it's 500. Okay. It is. It's 300 it's miles or 500 kilometers. my data in front of me shows me. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah, okay. Right, well, look, what, you know, what am I? I'm just a journalist this, and you're a comedian. But anyway. <laughs> I'm a comedian who reads a lot. 127 pages of declassified uh, fun. Oh, great. Right. So the whole thing is we're going to start getting these missiles that allow us to project further. Which oh, that means- was the initial strike range. Okay. So yeah. with the acquisition of precision strike missiles. Prisms. Which- which will have ranges in excess of, of 500. 500. And it looks like they'll be able to stretch them out to 1,000. So I was talking years. about the firing projectile munitions. Yeah, projectile munitions. Which is what I said before that. A projectile munitions. just mu- so you don't listen to me. I do listen. I'm just like your – I'm literally your wife. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't listen to me. <laughs> uh, you're different to my wife in that regard. Now, the whole thing is with these better missiles, and there's so many of them. Yeah. Right? You know, you've got the joint strike missiles. You've got the Atacams, which is actually the platform, and the HIMARS platform – and the prisms. Now, the big thing about these missiles is we used to be able to lob a missile 40 kilometres and maybe hopefully hit another ship. I know. And I'm like thinking when you think about it, 40 kilometres isn't really that far. Well, it's over the horizon. It's a, it's a long way. But the other thing that we're going to do is with these joint, particularly the joint strike and the prisms, these things, you can fire them 300, 400, 500 mm. kilometres. They will strike within three metres of your designated target. 
Right, that's right. pretty good. So the high Mars that we've been seeing a lot of in the UK, we're mm. definitely getting those. Because, oh, not the UK, sorry, in uh, Ukraine. Yeah. The high Mars, we're definitely getting those. Everybody wants the high Mars because it's a really, really solid platform. It does the job well. Yeah. It's a, and because it's highly mobile, you can that's I mean H I M highly mobile. You can fire off a set of missiles and you're gone. Yeah, you, it's it's just on the back of a truck. It's like a six liter diesel engine that drives this thing around. I'm excited. It's going to be thrilling. This is making me so happy. Woo-hoo. Right, <laughs> and that means that you can park them on the coast. Like, yeah, pull them up on a beach, and if there's a ship, you know, two hundred kilometers away, you can drop a missile right down its funnel. Mm. Now, with that, what's very important? Here's the thing that came up: space, the final frontier. Is it the final frontier? I think the I think our mental state is the real final frontier. But okay. anyway, <laughs> space is being detached from Air Force. They've decided that okay. they're, all right, they're going to literally detach it and make it a part of the ADF as opposed to a part of the Air Force. Now, Air Force has gone, hang on, but space, we're, we're the guys that fly. It's like, yeah, but space isn't flying. Space is pretty much going to be satellites. Yeah. Do you remember Moonraker? The James Bond film. Yes. Where they had the space fight. Yes. Where they all came out and they had little laser beams on their chest and they, you know, yep. the space marines and all yep. that. And America's got their own space force at the moment. We are definitely getting into that field. But it's literally going to be satellite combat. It's mm. drones in orbit as opposed to drones in the air or, and we'll talk about this, drones on the water. The whole thing is, right, satellites become incredibly important in this projected or this, this defence posture mm. because – we can drop that missile within three metres as long as we've got decent satellite coverage. With 100%. GPS, right. Basically, we put an iPhone on it with Google Maps and go, want you to land there. And mm. the missile goes up and drops down. So we need really good GPS. Now, if I was a, an adversary, my first thing is if I've got a satellite up there that can kill your satellites, I'm going to kill your GPS. Right. And once GPS is gone. We're, yeah, we're kind of screwed. We're kind of screwed. But we do have things like uh, LiDAR. Yeah. Which is laser is uh, lidar, not lidar. Lidar, which is a combination of laser and radar, which gives you an incredible three D mm. um, idea of what you're looking at. So you will be able to use things like lidar. But bottom line is, satellite technology is the one that's going to be important, and that's up there in the sky. Yeah, and the good news, which you kind of really touched on earlier, is the kind of more of a focus for the rapid establishment of domestic manufacturing. So yeah. the, these missiles, we want to kind of like what that essentially what that means is jobs. Well, the other thing about the missiles is because of Ukraine, the Ukraine-Russian mm. com- uh, situation. There aren't a lot of missiles available at the moment. No, I would imagine there wouldn't be. America has pretty much exhausted its reserve and it's currently dipping into its combat-ready stuff to supply Zelensky. Now, in that, they've now upped – I think they've doubled production of missiles. Mm. But they've got a lot of customers at the moment. Everybody wants to buy the American missiles because they're proving their worth. So everybody wants them. Right now, if everybody wants them, wouldn't it be better if we, under license, got someone to build them here? Well, that, I mean, it makes absolute sense. Why wouldn't you build something that you see that there's an absolute gap in the market? So yeah. why don't you just fill that gap? I mean, if we're going to start building, you know, nuclear submarines and all this other stuff, jobs, manufacturing jobs, you know, both it's a bipartisan issue. You can guarantee that both sides of government will back this. So I think it's kind of a win-win. It's a big win-win. Uh, now, the other thing about, as you said when you sort of talked about building our missiles. The other thing about that, and this comes down to the fuel reserve. 
Now, this mm. is a really, really important point here that was made. We have 27 days, I think. We we're meant to have 90. Yes. We, we should have 90 days worth of petrol in the country. We've got about 27 yeah. days, right? So th- this is one of the one of the 13 recommendations that were kind of agreed on only in principle, right? Yeah. So they include an East Coast facility for nuclear submarines, yep. the location of which will only be decided late in the decade, yep. a fuel council to deliver a resilient national fuel supply, yep. a centralised space domain capability and a trained defence space workforce, yep. and integrating long-range anti-ship missiles on the F-35A. Yeah, right. So again, Air Force are going to get upgraded mm. missiles, better yep. stuff to take out. Because yep. that is the thing. The surface fleets are going to be like victim number one. If a war broke out, your surface fleet is the one that's going to probably take the hits first. Yeah. Right. Yep. Your submarines are the ones that are going to be hiding under there. And probably your submarines are going to be ones doing a lot of the hitting. And with Australia, because literally Australia, this big flat yeah. continent, if we can get our planes up in the air, God help you if you've got a boat out there. Yep. If you're in a ship and we've got a like a nicely guided missile that can, again, plug a hole in your hull, we're going to put you to the bottom of the ocean before you get anywhere near the coast. Yes. So, so look, they're, they're put in the, kind of the not yet too hard basket yeah. and, you know, the government's committed to the $19 billion, but they've said $19 billion, but there's going to be $7.8 billion of cuts. So that's well, it's not so much cuts, is it's 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 going to be reprioritized. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that means that there's going to be a reduction in as we spoke about the land combat vehicles. So they're, they're looking at going from four hundred and fifty to one hundred and twenty nine. Yeah. It was quite a drop. Yeah, which is basically they've gone from three combat groups to one. I yes. think it's three divisions. I'm not sure. I, I remember again, it was something Andrew Hasty brought up where he said we've gone from having I think it's three battalions to one. So the second regiment of army self-propelled howitzers will be cancelled immediately. Yep. Yep. Six defence projects are apparently going to be cancelled, so and six will be delayed, and twenty-one will be rescoped. Yeah, look and look. Here's the thing again. It makes sense. Defence has a lot of there, there are a lot of people with their own agenda in there, yes. and there are a lot of people that are getting kickbacks in there as well, and 100%. they want that project. They want those projects moving because it's good for them personally, yes. not necessarily good for the Australian people or our defence. The interest interesting one was cyber. Yeah, cyber. One page. Yeah, I know. One page. Basically went because... It's kind of already being handled. It's Yeah, we're, we're already in the game. Yeah, now. we are. Right. But and the other thing they were looking at is also, you know, climate change. Which is a huge issue because a lot of our allies in the Pacific... Have yeah. the problem of they won't be countries anymore. They exactly. will be. They are doing the. They're literally the the opposite of what China because, has done. They're disappearing while China are building islands. Yes. These islands are sinking. Yes, and what's interesting is like a lot of people like get very confused about when you mix in kind of climate change with defense strategy. But these people who are losing these countries are going to be looking for somewhere, somewhere to, to go. go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this makes absolute sense that this is something we need to put on our radar. Yeah. Right now, I just wanted to jump back to the fuel. Yeah. Yes. The, the, yes, the, the fuel Im- reserves are kind of a really interesting one. Well, the important thing to remember about this is uh, – because, sp- because Sorry to interrupt you because it was always like, is it necessary? Do we need – and is it dangerous that we don't have that much fuel? Like how bad yeah. is it? Well, we had two refineries shut down. I mean, if you look down to Kernel in Sydney, mm-hmm. yes, you fly out of Sydney to go yeah. to you know if, on one of your weekends with the girls in Melbourne or whatever you want. <laughs> look down at Kernel; it's yeah. a lot of storage areas, but the refinery is gone. Yeah, right. So we've lost our refinery. So most of our and here's the other thing you've got to remember: most of our fuel comes from India, yep, the Philippines, Japan. 
All the people that if something happened in the South China yeah, Sea would we'd be, be screwed. screwed, right? We could probably, and that's the other thing, when everyone goes, why Indo-Pacific? Why do we care about the Indian Ocean? Because if we want to get it's it out trade of the route. Gulf, yeah. that's where it's going to come from. Yeah, it's from. our trade route. Right, it's so, a trade route. Yeah. Now, here's the problem we have in Australia. There's not really that much oil around. No. We produce a little bit of oil. Can't we just start trading it? What do you mean trading it? <laughs> you can have some of my gas and my building dirt and I'll take some of your oil. Well, that's what that's what trade is. We do do that. But the problem no, we, we have we is... No, we have companies that sell it to the highest bidder and make a shit ton of cash while the taxpayers has to overpay for their gas. Norway. Norway. Uh, Norway. Yeah. Uh, the Norway Future Fund is a classic example. Where they, yeah. like, and it was an interesting point where everyone... like the. So many people in the Australian government said we can't, we can't charge them that much for their mm. profits because my God, they'll never mind. They'll, they won't dig it up. And the yeah, the president of Norway went, yeah, we charge them seventy five percent tax on mm. their profit, and wow, they're still digging up that oil because yeah. they want the oil. Yeah, right. Oil is a finite resource, and if we've got it, uh, like gas is, a, they're all finite resources. Ultimately, like the only one on this planet that's probably not, you know, isn't finite would be something like steel because. It's like iron it's everywhere. is everywhere. Yeah. But the whole thing is- Helium, though. I'm really concerned about the helium. <laughs> no more party balloons for <laughs> I you, know. young lady. It's really stressing me out. <laughs> oh, don't panic. Don't panic. We'll figure out a way. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, all you need, literally, if you want helium, you just need a fusion reactor. Like the sun produces okay. tons of helium. Yeah, free a fusion just reactor. mine the yeah. sun for helium. Easy. Easy. Right. So- uh, when it comes to the fuel reserve, I mean, we had the fuel reserve that Angus Taylor built, mm. bought and then left it in America. That's actually <laughs> gone. What? It was quietly sold. What? Someone quietly sold it last year. Who quietly sold it? The government that's currently in. Because we can't use it. It's sitting there in a tank in the US. I thought we were meant to put fuel in it. No, we, we, no, we bought the fuel, Right. And we, now the fuel's gone. Well, basically, it, a, a strategic So reserve, our fuel reserve is gone. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> basically, what we've done is we went, hang on. Well, petrol is worth a lot of money at the moment. Mm. I think this is – because this is a very – this is a quiet thing. And, look, I'm going to have to double-check this. But this is – I've heard it from several sources. But I will double-check. And if mm. I'm wrong, I will put an apology on our Twitter feed, at iSpiedPodcast. At iSpiedPodcast. Right. Did you notice I took my time that time? And you go, at iSpiedPodcast. I went, at iSpiedPodcast. I like that better. Yeah. Yes. Right. So uh, I'm a voice artist. I should do that correctly. You should be able to pronounce things correctly. But this is my show and I talk in my way this time. Oh, this is my Real voice. Your show. <laughs> I'll just, okay. oh, studio anyway. wife. Is, <laughs> this is our show, but I'll talk. Excuse me, about, I'm just going to go now. Yeah, I'm just going to jump out this window. Yeah, okay, right, go. Anyway, the thing about that is if we're going to have a strategic reserve, mm. it needs to be where we can get to it. It needs to be strategic. Yeah, if it's <laughs> if it's on the other side of the biggest not ocean on the planet. Not very strategic. Right. That could get sunk really easy unless we can build a submarine yeah. that's also a fuel tanker. Mm. I think it'd be great just to have a Blake sort of just pull up. Yeah, yeah. Here you go, and here's your fuel. <laughs> you know, that comes the boat, and then <laughs> yeah. it goes. Right, so that fuel reserve is going to be an important thing to think of. Now, yeah. again, the argument could be made, all right, everyone, stop driving petrol cars, get into your electric cars, we need that petrol for other purposes, yeah. for, for military purposes. The big thing that also came out of this, and I found it really interesting, was the fact that our lead time for anything is now shot. Right? What do you mean? Well, if China started a build-up, uh, to go, okay, let's invade Australia. Screw mm. it. Let's go. We own it, but let's go and have a look at it. Let's go and look at our investment and put some troops there to protect it. Our lead time for that, like to build a force up to do that, oh, it's going to take a bit of time. Mm. But 
like the thing that we keep getting from a lot of the hawks in uh, the commentary field, so people like Peter Harcher, these guys are, and Greg Sheridan are all like going, well, you know, war is going to break out in three years. Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Well, even if it does, it means nothing to us. Also, cyber war has already started. So I don't know where you've been, but there has been war waging. Yeah, but that's, again, that's been on the, the internet. <laughs> that's the thing that everyone keeps talking about is our force is very much geared for asymmetric warfare, mm. right? So we're a small force going up against large forces. So we're going to get inside your threat envelope and then really mess you up. Yeah. Right. We can't think like that anymore because if we're going to protect our interests, and most of our interests are trade, right? That's the really yep. big thing we've got to look out for. We've got to be able to project our force outward yep. to be able to defend the corridors that come into yep. Australia. We're not talking about the coastline anymore. We're talking about the Straits of Malacca. We're talking about all of the straits that come through the archipelago yep. of Indonesia. It's a big job. requires a big responsibility. Job. <laughs> I know. There's a lot so, of work to be done. So outside of all this, out of this strategic review, Australia's Defence Force will now have five jobs. Let's quickly just run over them. Yeah. Defending the nation. Tick. Deterring adversaries through denial. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> believe you're an adversary. I deny your, your argument. Yeah, denial. So denial of access, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly from projecting force against Australia from yeah. its northern approaches, which we, we've just spoken about. Protecting our economic connection with the region and the world. Again, that's trade, trade. So, and that was And that was a big one, particularly with China. Yeah. Collective security of the Indo-Pacific. Yeah. Yeah, which we, I mean, we know all of this stuff, but it's just good. I don't think that the last strategic review really took a lot of that stuff well, seriously. The white, yeah, that was a, a white paper that came out. Now, the interesting thing, again, this is something to talk about as well, is the fact that we've been, what's gone on in the last decade, yep. with the conservative government we had that was so unveiled in its own internal ructions yeah. that it actually dropped the ball on what it was meant 100%. to be doing. 100%. Yeah. Um, Globally no and also regionally, and at the moment we've got we have a government that seems to be a lot more in tune with what's required to sustain the yeah. relationship. Well, because we've got Penny Wong, she she's not fucking around. No one fucks with Penny Wong. <laughs> like, and the last Except Mrs. Wong, and you know what? That's her prerogative, and we're not commenting. And the final one: the maintenance of the international rules based order. Mm, here's the thing. Now, mm. a couple of things about that is we have pretty much welded ourselves to the United States. And I only yes. have one really big concern about that is what if we get another Donald Trump or say a Ron DeSantis? Well, in the White we're not going to get Ron DeSantis. He's doing he's po- he's polling very poorly. If anything, Donald Trump will be the Republican candidate yeah. unless of course Tucker Carlson puts his hand up, which has been spoken about now that he no longer has a show and he has the MAGA base, so that could also be a very real possibility. I just want I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Uh and thank you for putting it out there. But here's the thing, if we do mm. get a more conservative, a more insular president in the yeah. United States, they could turn around and go, "Well, screw this deal. I didn't sign it. I don't care about it anymore." Yeah. Right. And, you know, if Australia went, but, 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 literally, he could go, and what are you, you know, American go, what are you going to do? Mm, mm. We're not going to give you the subs. We're not going to give you the plans for those missiles. We're not going to give you anything. You're on your own. We don't care anymore. It's all about us now. Now, the problem, like, that was the thing. It, interestingly enough, it was, it was Obama that made the pivot to Asia. Yep. Right. And that's when we started getting Marines up in Darwin. Yep. Right. Then Trump sort of, like, Let's be honest, Trump was really there for Trump. He wasn't there for the United States or anybody else. He was just there for himself. He did do some things that actually worked, though. Like, he wasn't he wasn't all bad. Like, he did do some things that actually worked. And just like Obama isn't, like, the great saviour that a lot of people like to make him out Oh, he made well. a lot of mistakes, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, more drone attacks under Obama than any other president. Yeah, right? exactly. So there was that sort of thing. But, like, I, I always find it interesting when people say he did a lot of – like, Trump did some good things. 
Um, at the moment, the MAGA Republicans are talking about how Biden's completely dropped the ball on Afghanistan. That actually started under Trump. No, I know, and I understand Trump that. I mean, that they're in. just trying to get him. The, uh, look, the only thing they're going to get Biden on is the fact that he should retire. He's just old. He's too old. Um, but God, every time he puts those sunglasses on, you go, "You are a cool granddad." You are cool, but it's right. like running running for another term is just ridiculous. Yeah, and at the moment, unfortunately, the, the Democrats don't really have anyone in their pocket that they can put up. No, but mark my words. Let's see what Tucker Carlson does. Oh, Jesus Christ, that is so scary. <laughs> a man in a bow tie, who doesn't want that? Yeah, a man in a bow tie who looks like a dog that's been shown a card trick. A, a, a conservative man. But you know what? He's smart and he's popular and he has the MAGA base and he has probably staunch Republicans. Republicans who are looking for someone to support because Donald Trump yeah. is in all kinds of legal troubles and Ron DeSantis is not doing very well at all. No, I mean, particularly when you look at the policies that he's invoked in um oh uh, in florida in florida it's yeah. like it's like dude the handmaid's you, made, you, yeah i know you you can yeah. only have an abortion before you find out you're pregnant and what's the other thing is uh, before, everyone has to show their genitals before they get on the playing field it's like dude it's the handmaid's tale Look, was you, not a rule book you can only have an abortion before six weeks no one knows they're pregnant before six weeks I it's impossible i didn't know i was pregnant uh, All right. Are you trying to tell me something? No. no, no, no anyway, no. let's wrap this up. Let's wrap it up. Right. So the bottom line is like the really big thing that mm. they've done, and I think it's a really, really smart move. Good on you, um, Angus and yeah, um, this is Steve. Great. One of the really important things they've said is we need to have a biennial review. Yep. Every two years we need to sit down, we need to look at the ADF, and we need to go, what the fuck is going on? 100%. Here? It um, should have been done. And also the other thing they've said, and they've they've belled the cat, the really big cat that needed to be belled is defence procurement is a freaking disaster at the moment. Yeah. We aren't getting what we need. And look, how many, look, it's been 20 years since we said we need new submarines, and we still, still don't, don't have, have one them. in the water. And, and I, think, I think it's because successive governments have tried not to spend money on defence. One, they've tried not to spend money on defence. Defense. Two, it comes back to my mm. little thing, my little analogy at the beginning of the show, the multi-tool. Yep. Right? They're trying to create one object that is going to fit everybody's purpose, right? You yep. can't do that. You can't do you that. You can't find the perfect solution for everyone's problem. You solve the problem. If you want to solve the problem of having a knife, a fork, and a spoon, buy a knife, a fork, and a spoon. All right? So Separately. Uh, is separate. it, so so we, we finally got back to the answer mm. of all. <laughs> Why? We yeah. have come full fucking circle. Yeah. Why? Yeah, you sat there the entire time looking at me like Tucker Carlson going, why are you talking about a pocket knife? Yeah. Right, we don't want a pocket knife. The F-35 or is- Or get the Swiss Army. The Swiss Army. Right. <laughs> really good, actually. Yeah. Now, the whole thing is, look at something like the F-35 yep. strike fighter. Basically, it's been designed to satisfy everyone's needs, but it's not going to do that because- if you compromise to make sure that it's a really good air combat aircraft, you're going to lose on your strafing mm. capability and your yep. bombing capability. Yep. But if you try to up one, you're going to drop the other. So you wind up with a hodgepodge mm. kind of aircraft instead of an aircraft that does the job, right? Yep. So if you want to fight to get an F-16, an F-18 or an F-22, if you want to strafe out, go and get yourself an A-10 Warthog. Those things rocked the planet. Yeah. They were absolutely massive in Iraq. Right, so you get the right item for the job, yeah. right? Get the right tool. We don't need a multi-tool. We need a toolbox. Yep. That was my analogy. I was really bad. Okay, are we done now? Yeah, we're done. Okay.